Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. We called the incident Black Friday. It was nowhere close to Thanksgiving. In fact, I think it was in the spring, about 15 years ago, when I worked at a boarding school in Montana. Why did we call the day Black Friday? Well, that night, that fateful Friday night, there was a problem in the girls' dorm. Several girls were caught underage drinking, and one of the girls seemed to just lose her mind. The principal had to go over to the dorm and assist the deans, and he ended up having to restrain the girl while she rocked back and forth, flailing her arms and legs and screaming obscenities. It was a really, really rough night for everyone involved. The next day wasn't much better. I've had many students over the years who've exhibited crazy behavior, and I didn't really understand what was going on. I regret to say that my attitude towards those girls and their behavior and their parents and the way their parents had raised them is something I'm pretty ashamed of now. I'm sure that each one of those girls who had problems that Black Friday probably suffered from some form of mental illness. Why would I think that now? Well, because I recognized some of the same behavior in my own daughter about a decade later. This is the first podcast in May. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, sponsored by the National Alliance of Mental Illness. It's a topic that for many years, no one really talked about. No one talked about depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, Alzheimer's, anorexia, binge eating, obsessive compulsive disorder, and the list goes on. Physicians and mental health experts have classified over 200 forms of mental illness. It stands to reason that someone you know might have a mental illness. That illness may or may not be diagnosed. If you suffer from a mental illness and feel that the Christian community has marginalized, misunderstood, or mistreated you, I apologize. My own ignorance about mental health issues and the unkind ways I acted in the past make me bow my head in shame. I want to share what I've learned with others so we can all start doing our part to stop the stigma about mental illness. The month of May marks another Mental Health Awareness Month in the United States. Campaigns like hashtag stop the stigma, have helped bring awareness to others. Mental illness should carry no shame. A diagnosis serves as a starting point for treatment, healing, and management, just like the diagnosis of cancer or diabetes serves as a starting point for treatment, healing, and management. Unfortunately, while the secular world seems to receive the message, the Christian world lags behind. Christians balk at treatment, medication, and counseling. When a fellow Christian confides dark thoughts of suicide or self-harm, believers end up, well, tongue-tied. Or worse, they offer to pray for the person or counsel them to ramp up their relationship with Jesus. Jesus can and should be part of the solution, but he is never part of the problem. Nor does your relationship, or lack thereof, with God cause a mental illness. Let me say that again. Your relationship or non-relationship with God does not cause a mental illness. So let's talk about the differences between physical illness and mental illness. 
The mind is a beautiful and complicated organ that can get sick, just like your kidneys might get sick. Of course, when you get a kidney infection, antibiotics often cure the sickness. They don't make antibiotics for mental illness, though. But when someone gets a kidney infection or ends up having kidney failure, that happened to me, we don't blame the patient. Nobody called me up and said, hey, why in the world did you let your kidney fail? Likewise, when someone receives a mental illness diagnosis, we shouldn't blame the patient. If a friend revealed that they had received a cancer diagnosis, would you offer to pray for them and tell them they need to spend more time in prayer and leave it at that? No, absolutely not. Yes, you would pray with them and for them, but I bet you'd never pray a prayer like this. Father God, Jim suffers from cancer. I pray that you give him strength to fight this battle and make sure he knows the importance of staying close to you as the cancer ravages his body. You would ask Jim about his treatment. He might even share what kind of chemotherapy or radiation regimen the doctor has prescribed. As his hair falls out and his appetite fails, you would bring him cool hats and buy him tempting things to eat. You would pray with him, take long walks with him, and celebrate when his blood counts improve. In other words, you would come alongside him in his suffering. Good friends don't drop by to suggest alternative therapies like carrot juice enemas, shark cartilage smoothies, or this really good place in Mexico. They honor their friend's intelligence and ability to investigate and make good decisions. Offering advice only when asked, they know how to help rather than manage. But what's the tricky thing about mental illness? The physical side effects of cancer act as a badge that the sufferer has joined the battle against the dread disease. The baldness and frailty let strangers know how to handle the sick one with care and prayers. The side effects of mental illness don't shout the same message. In fact, the side effects tend to alienate family and friends. Instead of hair loss, someone with a mental illness may experience weight gain. Rather than a look of frailty, Someone with a mental illness may take on an I-can-do-anything-don't-try-to-stop-me attitude. Instead of exhaustion, we might see quickly cycling moods that leave us feeling whiplashed. Rather than appearing in danger of breaking, a person with a mental illness may put themselves in danger through risky behavior that seems reasonable to them. As Christians, we can handle cancer or kidney failure but we do an abysmal job of coming alongside those who suffer from mental illness. I include my former self in this category. Before mental illness exploded like a meteorite in our family, I had no idea. So, let me break it down for you, brothers and sisters. Mental illness is not a sign of spirituality or a lack of spirituality. People with mental illnesses are victims of an illness, not weak Christians. They need help, but you're righteous, I've got this together, why can't you act like me, attitude, makes it difficult for them to seek it. Furthermore, your self-righteous attitude drives wedges between the one who suffers and the God who loves them. Let me say that again. Your self-righteous attitude can drive a wedge between the one who suffers and the God who loves them. When they come to you for help, they don't really have words to express what goes on in their minds. They hope you may understand and tell them they should seek help. When all you do is offer to pray for them, they walk away feeling burdened and belittled. So don't mess it up. A person with a mental illness already feels guilty enough for their behavior. Don't add to their guilt 
Mental illnesses often manifest themselves in extremes. Just because a person seems incredibly righteous and vigilant in making sure that others toe the line doesn't mean that they have immunity from mental illness. In fact, unreasonably devout people may actually be exhibiting signs of mania. Likewise, just because a person gets drunk, acts promiscuously, or uses drugs doesn't mean they have rejected their faith. It means their brain has gone haywire and things don't make sense. I confess I used to judge people who seemed righteously religious as being good and wonderful Christians. The people who struggled with drugs and alcohol and behavior I couldn't endorse, I termed fallen and in need of a savior. In reality, they needed my compassion and friendship. They needed me to keep my mouth shut and my heart open. My prayers may have helped, but my willingness to listen and not judge would have helped them sooner. So, how do you handle a mental illness disclosure? If someone discloses a mental illness to you, or they or that they struggle with anxiety, depression, self-harm, or suicidal thoughts, here's what you need to do. Hack number one, listen. While you listen, keep your face filled with compassion. Pray, but silently, for wisdom, and ask the Holy Spirit to guide your words and your thoughts. Listen, first of all. Hack number two, ask questions. Here are some good questions to ask. What would you like me to do? How can I help you? Would you like me to help you find a doctor? Do you have a plan for harming or killing yourself? If the answer is yes, skip straight to number five. Hack number three, assure the person that they aren't crazy. They probably already realize that something in their mind doesn't work like other people's minds. People who suffer need to know that illnesses have cures and remedies. They aren't less than others because their mind processes information differently. They need to know that they are not alone, which brings up hack number four, share. If you have suffered from a mental illness and have found help through therapy, medication, and healing in your relationship with God, go ahead and let the person know that they are not alone. If you suffer from depression or anxiety, and were able to find healing on your own through reading wise counsel and self-help books, that's awesome. But since you're not a licensed counselor or psychiatrist, it's safer to refer your friend to an expert and offer prayer support on the sidelines. Some cancers can be cured with low-level homeopathic treatments, but others call for an all-out chemo or radiation battle. Don't judge someone else's battle based on your own or on your neighbor's best friend's boyfriend's uncle. Don't disclose that your neighbor's brother's ex-sister-in-law felt the same way and committed suicide or struggled for years or never got help. That's not helpful. Hack number five, take the person seriously. If they have a plan or have researched ways to kill themselves, take them to the hospital immediately. You may need to enlist help from someone else. If someone shares that they cut themselves or have panic attacks or feel depressed, Take them seriously. Don't just tell them you will pray for them. They disclose this to you because they hope that you will understand and listen and help them take the next step. Remember, when someone discloses that they struggle, your job is to listen, ask, assure, share, if appropriate, and take them seriously or to the hospital. What they really want is affirmation from you that they have a problem, 
and assurance that someone out there can help them solve it. An offer to go with them to an appointment counts for more than an offer of prayer. Just think of the acronym LAST. The last thing you want to do is cause more harm. You should talk last, listen first. So once again, here are those five hacks for handling a mental illness disclosure. They make the acronym L-A-A-S-T. Listen, ask questions, assure them that they aren't crazy, share, if appropriate, and take them seriously. Come back next week when we talk about why you need to take care of the past before you can have a good future. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at selfcarehacks.net or check out the show notes for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together, we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.